1: I'm Damian Bulwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, vaccine FOMO. As more and more people across the Bay Area get vaccinated, it's hard for the rest of us to be patient, especially when everyone seems to be posting inoculation selfies on Instagram and finally making post-pandemic plans. It's hard not to think of the world as consisting of two types of people, those who've gotten their shot and those who haven't. This FOMO, or fear of missing out, is consuming the unvaccinated. Reporter Ryan Cost will join us to talk about that. And later in the show, Erin Alday is going to be here. She'll tell us what we need to know about the prospect of a fourth surge of cases in the Bay Area after President Biden pleaded with states to reinstate mask mandates. Ryan Cost, thanks for coming on. Hi, Damien. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is a, a really fascinating story. What is
0: vaccine FOMO? Well, I don't know if there's you know a clinical definition of what vaccine foMO is, but I think essentially we're at this point in the vaccine rollout where we have I think in San Francisco it's forty percent of all eligible adults, maybe a little bit something north of that with one vaccine, which means that you have people surrounded by a bunch of people who are on their way to be to being inoculated or already fully inoculated. And uh, the folks who are not in that sort of 42, 40 percent range are now starting to, you know, feel like they're missing out a little bit.
1: I, I, I have not been vaccinated. I don't qualify. I d- it's not so much that I feel like I'm missing out. I actually feel like I'm failing.
0: Yeah. So one person that I talked to, a, a younger woman named Shubi, she said that uh, all of her friends had been vaccinated. And it was sort of getting to her and that she was wondering if she just wasn't trying hard enough. Like, you know, maybe she should just be calling more Walgreens. Maybe she should be out at the Moscone Center at 6 a.m. waiting for, you know, some of those waitlist spots or whatever. Uh, so that that was driving her a little bit mad.
1: Is it that she wants to get back to her life? Or, or is it that she, you know, for people that she's around, she wants to be able to say, hey, I'm vaccinated too?
0: Well, I think it's that all of her friends are vaccinated. And that, that's good for her too, right? Because she can safely see them. Uh, She lives alone, so she doesn't really have to worry about infecting a roommate or whatever. But I think it's just this idea that once you get vaccinated, there's this whole world of possibilities that opens up before you. So whether that is finally celebrating the 30th birthday that she missed last year or finally booking a trip to go see family in India who she hasn't seen in a very, very long time.
1: Now, you have this incredibly interesting story about someone who got in line for a vaccine and then ended up getting vaccinated for something else,
0: yeah, so I spoke with this woman named Sharon, who was great. She was uh just a very, very nice person who said that she had never really experienced this sort of fear of missing out until it came to the vaccine initially, she was you know she said that she was thinking that she would be lucky if she got a vaccine by July, and you know that was sort of her her time window until suddenly. Her parents are vaccinated uh her husband is vaccinated, and her three best friends, one of which lives in New York, two of which are uh in Northern California, they were all vaccinated too and so then it just started driving her a little bit crazy. so she went one early morning to Moscone Center where they do have a a sign up list for if they have extras that will go bad, they'll give you a call. She said that her friend had done that the day before and had gotten vaccinated that night. But when she went the next day, she ended up waiting an hour only to be told that the list was too full. So she said she got in her car, went to her doctor's office, and got a shingles vaccine, uh, for which she was six years overdue, I think. Um, Why did she do that? Well... (laughs) It wasn't just to get any vaccine. It was because she knew that if she did that, she would have to wait at least two weeks before she could get her first dose of the of the coronavirus vaccine. So it sort of uh, pumped the brakes on her search. She She didn't feel as much pressure to constantly be refreshing websites or calling places or, you know, looking for opportunities to volunteer or whatever the case might be. That is amazing. Yeah, she was so
1: just for her own sanity.
0: For her own sanity, and when I talked to her, she said that uh, that two week time period was um, slowly, slowly clicking down, and she wasn't sure what she was going to do once she was eligible again.
1: She's got to find some lines to stand. Something else, yeah. Uh, Tell us who else did you did you speak to? That's going through this uh, this roller coaster.
0: Yeah, well, I spoke with um, one (laughs) with one gentleman who was pretty, pretty chill about everything. He said that his wife was recently vaccinated, that, uh, they have their extended family that was vaccinated. And while I was on the phone with them, with him, really, he mentioned that they were kind of looking at Memorial Day to go visit some family in Austin, Texas. And I just asked, you know, well, if, if you're not vaccinated by Memorial Day, do you think your wife will go without you? And so he turned around and asked her, you know, jokingly. Um, But her response is probably yes. (laughs) If it took too long for him to get vaccinated, she might have to because she hasn't seen her family, you know, in over a year. Um, So, yes, that's a big part of it, too. Right. You don't want to be the odd man out or the person who's sort of holding everybody else's plans up.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, there there was talk early in the pandemic about whether we should all wear, you know, wear our passports on our sleeve and and this sort of gets at some of that i mean even if you even if you don't have to actually wear
0: it on your chest you know it yeah i mean that's something that got me thinking about this story honestly was reading about some of the green passes i think they call them in israel where you can only get into certain venues if you have your inoculation passes and i know they're starting something similar in new york city new york state um but yeah that had me thinking about all the people who are probably you know want to get ahead of that that deadline
1: So Ryan, in this story, and also in weeks and months past, you've been talking to a lot of people about the prospect of restarting life. Um, What do they say? I mean, what are are people's biggest uh, fears and what are their biggest hopes?
0: Yeah, well, so a lot of it, of course, comes down to family. Making chips back home is always sort of a theme when I'm talking to people. This one was kind of fun because some of the really small uh, inconsequential things came up so sharon the woman who went and got her um shingles vaccine was talking about how nice it would be just not to get her mask tangled in her earrings along with her earphones and everything you know when you're leaving the house uh-huh. just something as like basic as that seemed sort of exciting another guy i talked to was just saying how nice it would be to have dinner with his friends without his jacket on Or to be able to smile at somebody on the street while he passed them. So, Oh my God, I've been (laughs)
1: been experiencing that lately. Like you realize that you can't smile at someone. They have no idea what's going through your mind.
0: Yeah, and you really struggle to convey it with your eyes and probably just look like you're freaking out or something. Yeah,
1: I've been there. Do you think we're going to have like leftovers from that where our eyes are going to be doing all sorts of things, even after we don't have to wear the masks anymore? I
0: I mean, I think it's definitely possible. I don't know. I mean, I I don't know if you've experienced this, but there have been a couple of times when I've left the house without a mask and it feels really natural at first until suddenly you're 10, 20 feet down the sidewalk and it just occurs to you, oh no. So you have to run back inside and go get it. Um, I think it's going to be a while to break those sorts of habits. And of course, you know, as you said earlier, um, that's still a ways away. I know that the president today said that he would still like to see states keeping up with their mask mandates um, until we have this more under control.
1: No, I went out to dinner last night and I I got out of the car and I was almost to the <laughs> restaurant and realized that I have my mask. It's because I'm like feeling like it's over. Like I, my mind is already moving in that direction.
0: Yeah, I will say I think I'm one of the people... In, in conversations that I have with other journalists, I think that we're going to fall back into old habits a lot faster than some other people think that we will. I just think it's kind of human nature to do that. But, um, but yeah, I think it'll be a little bit weird at first.
1: All right, Ryan. Well, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much. That was Ryan Cost, Chronicle Reporter. We're going to take a quick break on Fifth and Mission. When we come back, Aaron Alday is going to talk about fears of a fourth surge of the pandemic.
0: We'll be right back after a short break. You can support 5th In Mission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com slash
2: pod. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer.
1: Welcome back to Fifth Mission. I'm Damian Bolwa. I'm now joined by health reporter Aaron Alday, talking about the fear of a fourth wave of the pandemic. But first, Aaron... What do you think about this idea of vaccine FOMO that Ryan Cost is writing about?
2: It's super real. Uh, I, um, you know, I was telling folks um, I actually got my first um, shot last week, and I was like getting like freaked out. It was really like not like freaked out, like necessarily for my personal safety or anything, but I was really starting to feel that like sense of being like left out or left behind, and not, I mean. I, I got it because I'm in a, you know, considered an essential worker and I do go out in the field and I go to hospitals and I go to settings where I'm exposed. And so it's it's fine. Um, and everything went according to schedule and 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 planned. And I'm happy for that. But it was definitely I knew people, a lot of people around me um, who were in other fields and were getting that that vaccination. And I could see that, like, weight lifted off their shoulders You know, them hanging out and getting together um, without their masks on. And it just, you know, I wanted a piece of that. (laughs) And it was definitely, (laughs) I was definitely feeling it.
1: Wow. Well, I, I hope to feel that someday.
2: It's nice, Damien. It's very nice. I recommend it.
1: Well, let's move on to the national news and obviously with local implications. But Aaron, the president spoke on Monday and also the CDC. There is fear. That we could have one more big surge coming up.
2: Yeah, there. Um, you know, we're, we've been hearing sort of warnings about this um, increasing in urgency pretty much every day over the last week or so. Um, and I think, you know, we're getting. Um, you know, the, the problem is that we were seeing at first there was this this kind of the cases weren't dropping as fast as they had been, and then we saw them leveling off, and now we're seeing nationally that cases are trending up. Um, just kind of overall up about 10%, I think the head of the CDC said today. And the truth is we're seeing that kind of in our Bay Area numbers a little bit too. Um, you know, I talked with the Marin County health officer just, uh, on Monday and he was saying, you know, we're, we're flattening the curve again, but this isn't the good kind of flattening. We're seeing, you know, that's, it's too early to see our numbers plateau and we want to see them drop even lower, um, than where they're at now. and the the concern is that, you know, this is a reflection of our reopening, um that this is you know people relaxing their behaviors, that this is sort of all the trends we've seen before, and that now we're potentially again in one of these these troughs between between waves, and that we're now inevitably going to see cases tick up again. Um, Of course, this isn't inevitable. Um, we have a lot of different factors right now. It's a totally new world with the vaccine. So we don't really know where things are going to be headed. But I do think, you know, we're increasingly seeing these 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 little troubling signs here and there that that we're not going in the right direction.
1: So those are the national numbers. What about the Bay Area? We haven't seen an upturn yet, have we?
2: It's, it's a little too soon to say. I would say no, we haven't really seen an upturn locally, but you know, we're seeing, again, we're seeing some not great signs. Um, we are definitely just even in the last few days, we're seeing cases plateau. Um, on Monday, you know, one of the concerning things is we learned that Napa County, which as late as Friday last week had been saying they expected to move into the orange tier. On Tuesday, they're now saying that their numbers aren't looking so great that they actually picked up recently and they may not move into the orange tier after all. Um, so that's, you know, the first sort of real sign we have that that things are looking a little a little sketchy in the Bay Area. Um, so that's, you know, that's that's not great news. Um, it's not dire. It's not like, you know, we're we're headed down into the depths again. But, you know, we we don't want we want to keep seeing things moving you know getting getting lower getting those cases down week after week and keep seeing the counties kind of making that progress.
1: Tell us about Joe Biden's message about masks. Why did he think that was important?
2: Well, so his his message I mean it was it was pretty um it was it was just pretty bald. I mean it was just saying um begging essentially these these states that have done away with their mask mandates begging them to reinstate their mask mandates, uh begging states to keep them in place if you know, they still have them and have been thinking about doing away with them. It kind of goes along with that messaging that we've heard from the CDC that this is not the time to loosen restrictions. This is not the time to kind of let go and assume we're all in the clear. This is actually the time you know, keep things, you know, not necessarily locked up, but keep things tight. You know what I mean? We're, we're almost to that finish line. And so let's, you know, let's not relax too much now. But this was a very specific plea from the president to really put these mask mandates back in place get people back with these face coverings on um you know because we've all i think at this point seen those pictures of the spring break revelers of people just hanging out you know in florida and other states that are seeing increases in cases and have just thrown away their masks entirely and his his thing is it's just way too soon and we need to put these back in place and you know one of the things that that he said today is you know um, that the failure to take this virus seriously was precisely what got us into the mess this mess in the first place and and not taking it seriously now is what's going to put us at risk of of more deaths you know down the line
1: and the cdc what was its message
2: uh so the cdc director um you know who has just really again been been very kind of grim in her messaging lately. She said that she has this this recurrent sense of impending doom about the coming weeks um, and the direction that the cases are going in in the United States. She's she's really very uh, clearly very not happy with with the way things are going with the trends uh, nationwide.
1: And of course, we'll see less death either way. Right. Because of the vaccines. It is it is a change. But but there's still danger that that people could die that that no need to.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, to be honest, I mean nationally, we certainly hope that we will see fewer deaths. I think that it's it's generally assumed that we'll see fewer deaths. It would it's hard to imagine that 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 won't be you know a factor, given that we focused all of our early vaccination efforts on the people who are most at risk. Um, so yeah, I think that that's that's generally assumed, and that's a pretty safe bet. But yeah, you're right. I mean. Inevitably, when you have a lot of cases picking up, there will be people who will get infected and who will have serious illness and who will die um, because they're not vaccinated. And that's just it's it's not inevitable. And and we shouldn't you know, we shouldn't see that happening. It's just um, it's just an unfortunate, you know, effect that we see when these when these surges pick up. So at this point, you know, these are preventable deaths. Um, And the thing that I think people the message we keep needing to put out there is that we are making really good progress with our vaccination effort. Like we're looking pretty good in the United States compared to a lot of other countries. And, you know, given the state of things, you know, the nationally we're hoping to get, um, you know, the president has promised to have vaccines available to everybody 16 and older by, or I think all 18 and older by um, May 1st in California, they're aiming for April 15th. Um, so clearly, you know, we will be able to get these shots in the arms very soon. And we just, we're looking at weeks now, right? Like weeks before we get, you know, a large number of people vaccinated that could make just such a huge dent in, in the chances for another surge and that, that potential increase in hospitalizations and deaths.
1: Is it all reopening and people being closer together or are the variants playing a role in this potential surge as well?
2: Uh I think we assume that the variants are playing some role. It's really hard to sort of split out what's what's the bigger issue here. Um it's probably both of those things combined. In California it's interesting because we do have, you know, at this point the dominant strain appears to be this these California bred variants. So it's it's two very similar variants that are not as bad as this so-called UK variant, but they are more infectious. We have evidence of that now. And so, yeah, the thinking is that those are, you know, potentially fueling these, these plateauing and maybe the slight uptick in cases that we're seeing. Um, but, you know, certainly at least as big a factor, if not a bigger factor, is, you know, we've all been through this many times before. You know, when we reopen, when we loosen restrictions, we always see cases kind of start to pick up again. Um, and the key thing is, you know, are we going to be able this time with the help of vaccines to get that balance right, to find the appropriate level of reopening um, that that kind of keeps things in line, prevents things from really going off the rails into a whole other surge, um, you know, let people kind of live more of their lives, but also keep things tight.
1: Yeah, we are so close. Yes, I know. All right, Aaron, thanks for joining us again.
2: Thanks for having me again.
1: Thanks to my guests today, Chronicle reporters Ryan Cost and Aaron Alday, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening.